Your Catholic drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God on this Tuesday, January the 3rd, 2023. Have you said that out? Allowed yet 2023 seems crazy doesn't it like man time flies on the memorial of the most holy name of jesus praise be to god today we're going to be talking about benedict the 16th quite a bit lord i love you his purported last words from archbishop gonswein we're going to be talking about benedict the 16th and his legacy michael hitchborn joins us at 30 or at 15 past the hour and then at 35 past the hour, Dr. Gavin Ashenden is going to be on. He was the chaplain to Her Majesty the Queen before he became a Roman Catholic, actually. And we're going to be talking about not only Benedict XVI, how, how his pontificate played a role in his life, but also about the fall of Christianity in England. And there's just so many stories. We, t- we touched on that last week. We're going to follow up on that today with Dr. Gavin Ashenden at 35 past the hour. Tons of stories in the news, of course. Big story breaking this morning as you wake up. I don't know if you're a big football fan or a Buffalo Bills fan, but uh, the Damar Hamlin uh, story is pretty big today. He collapsed after a tackle on the field in the first, uh, I think it was the first inning, uh, or at least in the first quarter, and he fell over right after, suffering a cardiac event. He had a pulse but uh, was not breathing. He was revived. He's in critical condition as of right now. Pray for him. But uh, this is just one of countless stories we're reading about of uh, star athletes falling over just suddenly like that. Let's pray for him. Uh, Guess what? uh, President, Vice President Kamala Harris is requiring a uh, zero COVID test in order to have pictures taken with her today as members of Congress are sworn in. Very interesting. A 19-year-old accused of attacking three New York Police Department officers on uh, on New Year's apparently was radicalized online, uh, an Islamic terrorist attack there. Did you even hear about that story? I found that to be underreported for some odd reason. Avenger actor Jeremy Renner is in uh, critical condition. Apparently he had a snowblower accident. I didn't realize actors snowblowed their own driveways and walkways. Um, pray for him. Apparently... It, the blades like chopped him up or something. Uh, it sounds terrible, uh, but he is in critical condition now. And then uh, uh, apparently there's a national park in the Florida Keys, the Dry Tortugas National Park, shut down after 300 migrants from Cuba showed up. They're like, close the border. We're done here. <laughs> Only 300. Huh. It's been what a million in 2022 on the southern border, but it's still wide open. No well. shutting that down. Florida takes it a little more serious now. Speaking of shutting things down, um, we were shut down while you were left. Really? really? I mean, welcome back. Oof. I mean, it's good to be back. Was you, were, were you relaxed? I mean, did oh, you enjoy your vacation am, while Adrian and I slaved away over here? I'm, my heart is so full. Really? You know? uh, it was. It, I was. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it before we got on air. It was mm-hmm. the, the first real vacation I've ever taken in my entire life. Oh, I see. So it was fantastic. And you had, had a great time. And your real vacation you spent in California. <laughs> Sounds. <laughs> Sounds brilliant. Wow. Yeah. Well, you got to have a vacation from the vacation. I step so on a, can a heroin needle or anything? It, you know? A heroin <laughs> needle? No. Okay. No, there weren't any of those. 
<laughs> praise be to God. Yeah. Well, anyway. I was in the good part of town. Uh-huh. How was uh, New Year's? Anybody do anything interesting? Fell asleep? Mm. Nah. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> I woke up to a war zone. <laughs> so many Man, Houston takes the cake, man. Houston. Whew. It is. Uh, People are probably intent. shooting off guns as well. It was a Let's continuous two hours. It wasn't like, here's a firework here, firework. Yeah. It was continuous firework pop in for two yeah. hours. Normally, we pop a lot of fireworks for yeah. New Year's, but mm-hmm. it was pretty tame this year because half of our family was off doing other things. We had cousins with uh, significant others and siblings at other things so it was pretty quiet at home and the cost of fireworks you know inflation you know very, very expensive <laughs> we're okay with that we'll, we'll spend the money on fireworks <laughs> I don't we'll, see we'll, the point. We'll, we'll blow off a ton of money on that i just don't see the point of buying fireworks when you could just sit and watch the neighbors let them spend the money no, i get all the lighting show them up is, spend all is half the fun no lighting them up is half the fun <laughs> saving the money is half the fun no no but you know what you know what today is one of my favorite days of the year mm, really it's the feast of the holy name of jesus amen, amen. and that's like one of my favorite uh feast i i have a huge devotion to the mm-hmm. holy name amen well hey before we jump in real quick let me remind you we have launched our 2023 car raffle campaign you too could win a beautiful mercedes just ask clarissa she she won it last time she you know guess she could awesome. win again have a whole garage full of of uh, mercedes but nonetheless some lucky catholic radio listeners going to drive away in a brand new 2023 cla 250 in polar white Get your tickets online at grnonline.com. 25 apiece, or you can get five for 100. Great way to support Catholic Radio across the GRN. But nonetheless, let's pray. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, January the 3rd, and here are your headlines this morning. By the way, it's good to be back in the saddle again. Catholic News Agency reports Benedict XVI to be buried in first tomb of Pope John Paul II. The former Pope's death at age 95 was announced in Rome on December the 31st. Benedict, the 16th, Benedict XVI's coffin will be carried to the crypt under the central part of St. Peter's Basilica for interment after his funeral mass on January 5th. St. John the Twenty-Third was also previously buried in the same place, which is fewer than 100 feet from the tomb of St. Peter the Apostle, the first Pope. May he and the souls of the faithful departed rest in peace. Ground News reports J.P. Morgan and Deutsche Bank seek dismissal of lawsuits by Jeffrey Epstein accusers. Deutsche Bank and J.P. Morgan Chase are asking a federal court to throw out lawsuits that claim the big banks should have seen evidence of sex trafficking by Jeffrey Epstein, the high-flying financier who died under mysterious circumstances in jail while facing criminal charges. The Washington Times reports January 6th committee shutting down after referring Trump for crimes. The House January 6th committee is shutting down after a colossal waste of taxpayer money investigating the 2021 Capitol protest. The committee sent its work to the Justice Department along with a recommendation for prosecuting former President Donald Trump. Some of the committee's work, such as videotape of hundreds of witnesses' interviews, will not be made public immediately. And the Washington Examiner reports, New York makes human composting after death legal. Human composting is a process of burial 
that has the deceased put into a container with plants to allow the body to decompose and become part of the nutrient-rich soil. The method is seen as a greener, and some would say a soylent greener way, for burial rather than appropriate methods like interment. The bill has received pushback from some groups, including the New York State Catholic Conference, who said, quote, Human bodies are not household waste, and we do not believe that the process meets the standard of reverent treatment of our earthly remains, unquote. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Genevieve. She was described as a peasant girl born on Natara to Cerverus and Gronosia. On his way to Britain, Germanus of Oxer stopped at Nantera, and Genevieve confided to him that she wanted to live only for God. He encouraged her, and at the age of 15, Genevieve became a consecrated virgin. On the deaths of her parents, she went to live with her godmother, Lutetia, in Paris. There, were, there the young woman became admired for her piety and devotion to works of charity, and practiced fasting and the mortification of the flesh, which included abstaining from meat and breaking her fast only twice in the week. These mortifications she continued for over 30 years, till her ecclesiastical superiors thought it their duty to make her diminish her austerities. She encountered opposition and criticism for her activities both before and after she was again visited by Germanus from those who were jealous or considered her an imposter or hypocrite. Genevieve had frequent visions of heavenly saints and angels. She reported her visions and prophecies until her enemies conspired to drown her in a lake. Through the intervention of Germanus, their animosity was finally overcome. The Bishop of Paris appointed her to look after the welfare of the other consecrated virgins, and by her instruction and example, she led them to a high degree of sanctity. Shortly before the attack of the Huns under Attila in 451 on Paris, Genevieve and Germanus Archdeacon persuaded the panic-stricken people of Paris not to flee, but to pray. It is claimed that the intercession of Genevieve's prayer caused Attila's army to go to Orleans instead, during Childeric's siege, then blockage of Paris in 464, Genevieve passed through the siege lines in a boat to Troyes, bringing grain to the city. She also pleaded to the Childerics for the welfare of the prisoners of war and met with a favorable response. Through the influence, Childeric and Clovis displayed unwanted clemency toward the citizens. Genevieve cherished a particular devotion to St. Denis and wished to erect a chapel to, in his honor to house his relics. Around 475, Genevieve purchased some land at the site of his burial and exhorted the neighboring priests to use their utmost endeavors. When they replied that they had no lime, she sent them to the bridge of Paris where they learned the whereabouts of large quantities of this material for the conversation of two swineherds. After this, the building proceeded successfully. The small chapel became a famous place of pilgrimage during the 5th and 6th centuries. Sometimes Genevieve is also depicted with the devil, who is said to have blown out the candle when she went to pray in the church at night. She died in 512. St. Genevieve, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. This is the optional gospel today. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, the child was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
When the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Salopide said, So in his circumcision, Christ humbled himself to a still greater degree than in his nativity. In the latter, he took upon him the form of a man. In the former, the character of a sinner. Close quote, Cornelius Salopide. The Catholic Commentary on Holy Scripture, also a very good commentary, by the way, really recommended. It says, As the firstborn, uh, firstborn Jesus is God's property consecrated to God as a sacrifice. Parents could redeem, in other words, buy back, such a child from God at the price of five shekels of silver. Luke makes no reference to this part of the ceremony, but indicates that instead of the lamb prescribed to be offered as a sacrifice by the mother, Mary offers what was known as the poor woman's offering. Close quote, a Catholic commentary on Holy Scripture. Haydock's commentary points out, and also did Cornelius Lapide, by the way, uh, saying that there are many reasons that may be alleged why our Savior submitted to the painful and humbling knife of circumcision. Number one, to manifest the whole world, or manifest to the whole world, the reality of his human nature and the difference between his divinity and humanity. Number two, to show he instituted. Number three, to prove that he was the seed of Abraham. Number four, to teach us humility and obedience by observing a law to which he was not bound. Number five, that by receiving the burden of the law, he might free those who were under the law. And lastly, that the Jews might have no excuse for rejecting him because he was uncircumcised. Close quote. Hadock's commentary. In fact, Cornelius goes on to quote Thomas Aquinas, Augustine, and others on similar reasons. So it's fascinating because our Lord leads the way. You know, he leads the way from the front and not the rear, and he, he takes upon himself the burden of the law, fulfills it completely, which includes the fact that he should be nailed to a tree, according to the prescription of the law of Moses, that he would be whipped and have the stripes that would bear the sins of all the crown of thorns, and so much more. This is foreshadowing. Foreshadowing of something greater to come. And that would be the sacrament of baptism. Hey, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about the legacy of Benedict XVI. It's coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting? The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small, a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story that God once ruled the universe from a stable and that the hands that made the stars were too small 
to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. For victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word, and we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Dr. Gavin Agenden is going to be our guest at 35 past the hour. Former Anglican bishop, former chaplain to Her Majesty the Queen of England, is going to be on to talk about the dictatorship of relativism that his country is facing right now. I mean, ours too, of course, but it'll be fascinating to get his take on that. Plus, uh, what uh, the legacy was in his perspective of Benedict XVI. All of that coming up at 35 past the, the hour. Of course, you know, we, we knew going into the New Year's weekend uh, that we were all expecting Benedict XVI to pass. His, his situation was degenerating pretty quickly with kidney failure. That's usually the sign of the end. The good news is he had an opportunity to prepare himself well for that. You know, he saw it coming. What a grace that is. How many do not have that? I mean, uh, we're looking at this Buffalo Bills player who collapsed. You know how many athletes collapsed in the last two years suddenly and died instantly with no opportunity to see it coming, to to prepare themselves, to make a good and holy confession, receive last rites, to be ready to meet the just judge, as Benedict XVI called him in his February 2022 letter in regards to the sex abuse scandal in the Diocese of Munich, which he was bishop of back in 1980. So what a grace. Praise be to God. He was able to prepare. In fact, we are told by Archbishop Gonswine, his last words were, Jesus, I love you. You couldn't ask for much more than that. I mean, really, that is that is an amazing thing. So uh, we are praying for the repose of the soul of Benedict XVI. But I have to say, when, when, when I think back on the legacy of Benedict XVI, I remember uh, him being elected, coming out onto the, the balcony. I was supposed to be standing there, as a matter of fact. I had uh, been given a wonderful opportunity from a, uh, a person I worked for at the time who I was having great conversations with about the Catholic faith. And when uh, JP2 died, he came down and he said, listen, I want to send you to Rome. I want you to be there in the, in the uh, St. Peter's Square when they make the announcement, when you see the smoke rising, I want you to be there and experience that. The only thing that did uh, stop me from going was the fact that my wife was pregnant and, she, and it probably was not... Husband of the year material to leave a pregnant wife behind while you're while you're in St. Peter's Basilica, you know, square or whatever. So gallivanting, oh, gallivanting, yeah. So I we we put it off and we went we went when my daughter was born. She was three months old, and we jumped on a plane. He was so gracious, my boss at the time, to allow me to continue to uh, to take him up on that offer. So we were able to go for seven days, and it was an amazing experience. We went to the tomb of JP two, which was where Benedict XVI will be reposed after his funeral this Thursday. And uh, we spent a lot of time with the bones of St. Peter. And uh, we went to Holy Mass on December the 8th, 2005, with Benedict XVI. And I got to stand probably 15 or 20, I guess it was probably like 20, 25 feet from him. And uh, the red shoes stood out to me. And I thought, this guy's shorter than I really expected him to. I thought he was taller. He's a short guy with the coolest red shoes you've ever seen in your life. 
Uh, and then my daughter, uh, three months old, was blessed by him. So it was an amazing experience to be sure. But the, the lasting legacy, when I think about the legacy, a lot of people are going to think, well, he is, he is among the last to attend Second Vatican Council. He was considered liberal at the time. He became more conservative later. Was he a defender of tradition? Well, uh, some would say yes. His, his, uh, his Sumorum Pontificum provided for a greater use of the traditional Latin Mass. We find out now, uh, it, after his passing, that in fact, when uh, Pope Francis wrote his Traditionis Custodis, Benedict XVI wrote a letter to the Fraternity of St. Peter trying to encourage them in this difficult time. So it, there's a lot of things you could say or speak to about his lasting legacy. But for me, it was his stepping down. It was his resignation. I was, uh, I was very discouraged by that, to be honest with you. I, saw, I see an article here out of CNA. It says, in stepping down, Benedict XVI carved out a new role as contemplative pope. This led to great confusion, in my opinion. The article says, and I'm sure I'm going to stop, it says, on February 11, 2013, before gathering of cardinals who had come to the Vatican expecting to hear the announcement of upcoming canonizations, Pope Benedict XVI dropped a bombshell. After a few announcements about church business at the conclusion of the meeting, the Pope took out two sheets of paper and read a prepared statement in Latin. I have convoked you to this consistory not only for the three canonizations, but also to communicate to you a decision of great importance for the life of the church. After having repeatedly examined my conscience before God, I have come to the certainty that my strengths due to my advanced age are no longer suited to adequate exercise of the Petrine ministry. Then the 85-year-old pontiff told the gathering of the Catholic Church's highest-ranking clergyman. Because he spoke in Latin, the language used for official Vatican proclamations, reporters present did not at first realize that the Pope had just stepped down. The assembled cardinals, on the other hand, who knew their Latin, reacted with stunned silence. American Cardinal James Stafford later told CNA that the Pope's statement was received with total surprise, total shock. Quote, a cardinal who was sitting next to me said, did he resign? I said, yes, that's what he did. He resigned. And we just all stood at our places. Nigeria's Cardinal Francis Arinze, who was present that morning, said the announcement was a surprise like thunder that gives no notice that it's coming, reported the Catholic Telegraph. In renouncing the papacy, Benedict became only the second pope in almost 600 years to voluntarily step down. In 1294, Pietro de Morone, an elderly hermit, was crowned Pope Celestine V, but finding the demands of the job too much for him, he resigned after only five months. In 1415, Pope Gregory XII, Pope Gregory XII also resigned, but under very different circumstances. He stepped down in order to end a crisis within the church known as the Great Western Schism. What happened next with Benedict XVI was no, with, was no less surprising to those who expected him to live as he retired cardinal. Live as a retired cardinal. In his last official statement as Pope, before a general audience on February the 27th, 2013, Pope Benedict assured the tens of thousands of people gathered to hear him speak as Pope for the last time that, that even though he was stepping back from official duties, he would remain, in essence, Pope. Let that sink in for a second. This is where it becomes 
very confusing. Quote, going on to say, quote, the always is also a forever. There can no longer be a return to the private sphere. My decision to resign the active exercise of the ministry does not revoke this, close quote, Benedict said, going on to say, quote, I do not return to private life, to a life of travel, meetings, receptions, conferences, and so on. I am not abandoning the cross, but remaining in a new way at the side of the crucified Lord, close quote, he told the crowd. A day earlier, on February the 26th, 2013, the director of the Vatican Press Office, Father Federico Lombardi, has silenced speculation over what Benedict would be called and what he would wear. He would, Lombardi said, retain the trappings of the papacy, most significantly his title and dress. Quote, he was, he will still be called His Holiness Benedict XVI, Lombardi said, but he will also be called Pope Emeritus or Roman Pontiff Emeritus. Lombardi said Benedict would continue to wear a white cassock, but without the mozetta, the short cape that covers the shoulders. The Pope's fisherman's ring would be replaced by a ring from his time as cardinal. The red shoes would go as well, Lombardi said, and be replaced by a pair of brown ones. The city of Lyon is known for beautiful shoes and very comfortable shoes, and when the Pope was asked what he wanted to wear, he said, I want the shoes from Leon in Mexico, Lombardi said at a press conference. On May the 2nd, the Cardinal was, des- was uh, designated, let me start over. On May the 2nd, the Cardinal, who designed Benedict's coat of arms in 2005, told CNA that he had written the Pope's emeritus, suggesting that his coat of arms would need to be redesigned to reflect his new status. Cardinal Andrea uh, Cordero Lanza di Montezomolo proposed making the keys of St. Peter smaller and less prominent. That shows that he had a historic possession, but not a current jurisdiction, the cardinal said. Benedict, however, it seems, politely declined a new coat of arms. La Stampa reported the following year that the Vatican Publishing House's Manual of Ecclesiastical Heraldry in the Catholic Church contained the following note. Expressing deep appreciation and heartfelt gratitude to the author for the interesting study sent to him, Benedict made it known that he prefers not to adopt an expressive heraldic emblem of the new situation created with his renouncing the Petrine ministry. By his decision to continue to dress in white like the Pope, retain the title of Pope, and keep the coat of arms of his papacy, Benedict revealed that in giving up the active exercise of the ministry, he was not forsaking the role of Pope altogether. Do you see where the the confusion is here? We've created something new, this office of contemplative Pope. He didn't see himself leaving the papacy. Now, don't get me wrong. I, Pope Francis is the Pope. He is the guy in charge. He has jurisdiction. He has governmental power. There's no question. But it was always confusing to see Benedict XVI there. I felt like if he was going to step down and retire, he needed to fully step down. I felt like he needed to move off, go off to Germany, uh, wear red like a cardinal. If you want to live contemplative, live contemplative there. But to retain the title, 
to retain the dress, to retain a, a, a symbol, a symbolic ring there living in the Vatican, to have guests and people uh, coming to him. In fact, this article goes on to talk about how uh, that was the case. This is in his 2013 announcement. Benedict clearly expressed his intention to step aside, even determining a date and time of his official departure. Nonetheless, his decision to keep the title of Pope and maintain ceremonial protocol that goes along with the papacy led some to speculate whether or not there were actually two popes. So very confusing to the point even where Francis himself in this article, which you can read fully at Catholic News Agency's website, catholicnewsagency.com, even Pope Francis himself says, listen, if I retire, and he's already signed his retirement letter, by the way, he, he already, we learned that a week and a half ago, that he had submitted a letter of resignation, signed, and just put away just in case his health should decline. It's already ready to go. They just got to pull it out and, I guess, implement it. But if he should ever have to retire, he will, he will retire to St. John Lateran, not St. Peter's, not the Vatican, but St. John Lateran, which is uh, at another location. And he would retain the title of the uh, Bishop Emeritus of Rome, not Pope Emeritus. So I think even His Holiness Pope Francis recognizes that there's a confusion here that I don't think was all that helpful for Holy Mother Church. I mean, he, he, he could have easily prayed and offered a life of prayer for Holy Mother Church in Germany, St. John Lateran, uh, Castel Gandolfo. I mean, there are many options he could have chosen, but to stay at the Vatican, to retain the look and the feel of the papacy, I think led to greater confusion. And I think that will be among his greatest legacy. I wonder what you think. You can always join us in conversating about this on our live video feeds, which you can find linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But coming up after the break, more breaking news and stories with Rudy Carlos and the Dr. Gavin Ashington will give us his thoughts on the legacy of Benedict XVI. All of that and much more is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. I'll be right back. Our family has spanned the centuries and the globe. With God's grace, we started hospitals to care for the sick. We established orphanages and helped the poor. We are the largest charitable organization on the planet, bringing comfort to those in need. We educate more children than any other institution. We developed the scientific method and founded the college system. We defend the dignity of human life and uphold marriage. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are transformed by sacred scripture and sacred tradition, which have guided us for 2,000 years. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the sacraments and fullness of the Christian faith, Jesus started our church when he said to Peter, the first pope, you are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So if you've been away from the Catholic Church, we invite you to take another look Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. We are Catholic. Welcome home. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos. I'm back. 
Today is Tuesday, January the 3rd, and now here's more headlines. Justin News reports TSA spends $18.6 million on security screening for gender-neutral passengers. The federal spending watchdog group OpenTheBooks.com reported on the new security screening that will be rolled out starting this month. The funding for the non-gender imaging technology will be appropriated from funds inside the omnibus spending legislation that President Joe Biden just signed. The TSA receives approximately 26,542 screening complaints annually, with slightly over 6% from members of the so-called LGBTQ community. LifeSite News reports, Providential Support, FSSP, releases statement following death of Pope Benedict XVI. The priestly fraternity of St. Peter have stated that the late Pope Benedict sent them a letter encouraging the superior of the, of the traditional community after Pope Francis issued Traditionis Custodis, which suppressed the traditional Latin Mass. Such an action of the part of the now-deceased Emeritus Pontiff marks a very rare intervention since he began his life of retirement on February 28, 2013. May he rest in peace. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us now via Zoom chat is Dr. Gavin Ashenden. He is a uh, Catholic layman, uh, author, commentator, associate editor of the Catholic Herald, formerly a priest of the Church of England and subsequently continuing Anglican bishop. He was appointed chaplain to the Queen in 2008 until his resignation in 2017. And good morning to you, Dr. Ashenden. Hello, Joe. Good morning to you and everyone listening. Thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, let's start with Benedict the Sixteenth. Uh, you know, I I imagine that his passing has uh, some effect upon you. I was just thinking about uh, Benedict the Sixteenth visiting the UK in 2010, and a good friend of mine who was a priest uh, and was stationed in the UK at the time, he expressed it like a, almost like a, a Catholic nuclear bomb going off there. What was your experience like as someone coming from Anglicanism into the Catholic faith in regards to Benedict XVI? And what do you think is his legacy? Well, I've been doing a podcast for the Catholic Heralds today with a, a, a friend of mine who used to be an Anglican bishop and is now a Monsignor in the Ordinariat. And he was saying, effectively, Benedict was our father. We've lost a father in this. His vision was so generous and so astute that he made he made it possible for Anglicans who were perched in their own minds halfway between the Reformation and the Catholic Church to find refuge as their own church began to sink under the waves of, of secular and progressive ideology. So we owe him an enormous amount, um, both for those who joined the Ordinariat and for those who were so inspired by his his prophetic witness to Catholic and Christian truth that they wanted to take refuge in the Catholic Church uh, and and find a place there. So the answer is he's been immensely important to us, and we mourn his his going deeply. So, do you think he'll have a, a positive legacy amongst uh, English Catholics? Yes, when he came to England, there was a great deal of opposition and people trying to whip up some of the old shibboleths from the Reformation. Um, and and, and not, nasty things were said about his childhood, which were entirely without substance uh, as a way to blacken him. But when he arrived, um, it was it was as if because the press had painted such an unpleasant picture of him, mm. the reality of who Joseph Ratzinger was as Pope Benedict was so attractive and so welcoming that, that people's hearts melted uh, and all the opposition which was predicated on a false image of him 
disappeared. Um, he had a he had a, a very powerful effect indeed. And I, for many of us, when we suddenly saw the Catholic Pope sitting in Westminster Abbey, named St Peter's, built by Catholics for Catholics, um, <clears throat> marking the thousand years of Catholic Christianity in England. It was it was the most wonderful moment, and we hoped it was a prophetic moment for the restitution of 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 Catholic buildings to the Catholic Church, and indeed the English people to the Catholic Church. So, yeah. uh, whatever comes of that, the symbolism was very powerful. In his homily right before he was elected as Benedict XVI, he talked about the dictatorship of relativism, which I think would be a, uh, a statement we will probably remember in regards to Benedict XVI. Uh, for a very long time in the church, because that seems to be exactly what we're facing in the world today. In fact, in England, I saw over the weekend uh, a story out of the Daily Mail that talked about a uh, an Anglican priest who is now officially a transvestite, somebody who is supposedly non-binary. I mean, we seem to be accepting things uh, that are completely at odds with what we believe as Christians. And in England, it's is it has the ship sailed? I mean, are we beyond the point of return at this point? What say you, Dr. Gavin Agenden? Well, if you're not optimistic and positive-minded, pe- people feel uncomfortable because they think it's probably a duty on us all to see the best uh, of things. But the trouble is, if, if you're in the middle of a disaster and you need a way out of a building that's on fire or you need a lifeboat for a ship that's sinking, it's not kind to to tell the truth about the situation. Um, the residual, the the the, the, Christ, the Church of England has given way completely to the zeitgeist. And one of Benedict's other great gifts was to constantly invite the church to be aware of the distinction between the zeitgeist and the Holy Spirit, the contrary spirit, the disturbing spirit and the Holy Spirit. This is something that, on the whole, very few people seem equipped or even willing to do. And the problem is that because sex has become a new form of deity for people, a mixture of sex and also a kind of Jungian self-authentification, the combination of those two ideas seems to have replaced salvation uh, in, in some people's minds entirely. And this poor this poor English clergyman person is, is the latest example of someone who's been desperately confused and, and clearly has no experience of the real God at all, but is is terribly open to... The, um, the disturbances of his own psyche and, and the zeitgeist. And, and there's no one there to rescue him. The church simply tells him he's doing a good thing. So we're very grateful for, for, for Benedict's clarity and above all his invitation to exercise the gift of discernment, which Christians have from St. Paul onwards have always known was one of the most important tools we have in our armory in order to, to keep us close to Jesus and make us suspicious of the world where it stands against God and his purposes. You know, there was a lot of stories I, w- I want to get your comments on. After the break, we're going to be hitting a break here in just a few minutes. And uh, after that, I want to talk about the King's speech. But uh, you also wrote an article called Christmas is an Antidote to Our Pampered Egotistical Culture. I thought that was very good, especially like there was some of these other stories. It just feels like England in, in particular. I mean, America's not really uh, an exception to this. But in England, you had this uh, lady who was arrested just recently for silently praying. You have uh, you have uh, pr- Street preachers that constantly get uh, arrested or or harassed. It seems like in England, Islam and uh, atheism get more more attention, more of a pass, more toleration than Christianity does. So uh, I just keep going back to this idea that these Christian peoples who 
seemingly have just given everything over to to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, is England really a true atheistic country or agnostic at best, or how would we describe that now? Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry to say, I think I think it's pretty well gone. Uh, I became a Christian in 1975. I was a law student, and uh, I became an evangelical Anglican. Uh, and then slowly found my way towards the Catholic Church over the years. But uh, England has gone not not because people like me haven't done our very best to witness to the gospel. Uh, we we really have. We've we've preached and prayed and evangelized our hearts out. But we were facing something I think cosmically much bigger. Uh, and so in England at the moment we have three, if you like, three figures. We have we have we have Muhammad. Uh, we have Jesus and we have Karl Marx, and and they're, they're three communities. And the problem is that that Karl Marx, as as in as in progressive wokeism, uh, the 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 vicious left, has set about trying to destroy Christianity in a way that's been going on for a hundred years. And and in the corner sits Muhammad, and and the followers of Karl Marx think that they will overcome Muhammad in the same way they can overcome. The followers of Jesus, because they they think of Islam as a kind of Arabic form of Judeo Christianity, instead of a much more sophisticated uh, mixture of politics and religion, which which it is. And so, the, but but meanwhile, the, the Muslims sit very quietly as they watch the church being destroyed, because effectively the secularists are doing their job for them. Uh, and then I think probably in the next ten years, Christianity will take a very severe beating at the hands of the total increasingly totalitarian left. And then after 2030, there'll be a confrontation, as there already is in Paris and in France and other parts of Europe, between Islam and the secular state. Uh, my my money's on Islam, but but who knows? Mm. But the tragedy at the moment is that Christians, instead of seeing what the next 10, 20 or 30 years are going to involve in the death of, of Europe, and I'm afraid I think I think America is not very far behind in terms of the way in which this is playing out. Instead of seeing that we're fighting not only for our for, for our freedom, for our lives, above all for freedom of conscience, and for this this very very precious culture that Christendom created, which has allowed humanity to reach some of the heights of artistic and aesthetic, cultural and spiritual beauty, it it's it's we're we're back to the fifth century. Well, it's much worse than when the vandals were at the gates with Augustine, because these vandals are truly terrifying totalitarian brutes. Uh, and and my my complaint is that the Christians are giving up too easily in Europe. We should be we should be fighting, to, to, fighting, not necessarily physically, but intellectually, spiritually, and morally. We should be we should really using all our energies to avoid going down. Partly because we owe it to Jesus, and partly because mm. we owe it to our ancestors, our forefathers, our, above all our Christian forefathers, some of whom gave their lives for the faith. So there's this yeah. apathy and this blindness in the church. And I'm afraid I think I hold our bishops partly accountable for this. Amen. Because it's there. They, they have been tasked. Hold that thought right there. Dr. Gavin Ashenden is our guest. Real quick break for the network. We're going to be right back. More to come. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB.
This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting. The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small, a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story, that God once ruled the universe from a stable, and that the hands that made the stars were too small to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Praise be to Jesus Christ, especially on this uh, feast day of the holy name of Jesus. Uh, Joining us again is Dr. Gavin Ashenden, former Anglican bishop, Catholic layman author, and uh, associate editor at the Catholic Herald. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year again to you, Dr. Gavin Ashenden. Thank you for your time today. Uh, I find this very apropos, this uh, conversation around Benedict XVI and his dictatorship of relativism, because as we've been discussing in this first segment, I mean, the whole world's facing it, but I think looking at England is a uh, sort of like the canary in the mine shaft. Um, it seems to me like the the laws, the culture of England has gotten to the point where Catholics may not even have a public voice legally to try to evangelize. Uh, and yet I would I would argue the only real antidote to any of the world's problems is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through his Holy Catholic Church, his, uh, one Catholic and apostolic church. If the bishops, uh, we uh, you sort of ended on that point, sort of the criticism of the bishops here, and I totally agree. I think it would require the bishops to all come out and say, you know what, enough is enough. It's convert the whole world or die trying. If they had that level of gumption, would they be able to pull this off? Or are we looking at an underground evangelization effort, kind of like the Jesuit missions of the 16th and 17th century? What say you, Dr. Agenden? <clears throat> well, Rod Dreyer, who was a Catholic for some time and then became a, a, an Orthodox, has written a very important book uh, called The Benedict Option. And he's been saying for some time that we have so completely lost the public debate that we need to prepare for a catacomb living. Um, I think I'll leave it up to people to decide whether or not you, you can't tell God what's going to happen. And there's still scope for repentance and prayer. And, and as you say, for the bishops to come out and speak with a unified voice about defending the, the church, the bride of Christ. Um, the, the, the good news is that people are desperate to be saved. They're desperate to find God. They're desperate to be loved and forgiven and to know what their purpose is. Benedict also had a wonderful phrase where he spoke to some, some, some youth once and he said, you know, each one of you, God thought into existence and thought into being. You, you matter very much indeed. And this, this message of how people matter, uh, in the hands of a creator and redeeming God is such a powerful one. People are so hungry for it. But the problem is the church isn't speaking it out. And so we don't know what would happen if the bishops called the laity to evangelization, if there was suddenly a sense of holy panic about the destruction of Christendom. Um, God, we don't, we don't know what would happen. But if that doesn't happen, then there's no question at all but that we are heading underground. I, I, I couldn't have believed it possible that, that thought crime would actually emerge 
in the West during my lifetime. I used to smuggle Bibles into the Soviet Union and <laughs> was arrested by the KGB and interrogated. And and uh, I grew up reading Solzhenitsyn. Uh, I, I, I simply, I can't, I can hardly get my head round the speed with which the same, if you like, spirit of totalitarianism has morphed from behind the Iron Curtain in 1989 so that today police will come up to a Catholic woman as she stands on the sidewalk and say, are you praying or not? And if you're praying, we're going to arrest you. I mean, it's incredible. Wow. These are the times we live in. Let's, I'm going to ask you about the King's speech. By the way, one of my favorite films of all time. My family and I love the King's speech. We've probably watched it, I don't know, five or six times at least. Such a good old, good old fashioned storytelling, but uh, what a wonderful, what a wonderful film. And then you compare and contrast that to His Majesty King Charles's Christmas speech, his first Christmas speech as the King of England. And uh, in your article, and I read part of this article last week on the show. Uh, it seems like he's totally embraced uh, this idea of relativism, of all faiths being equal. And you compare that to his own mother, who seemed to have a much stronger faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, can you give us some insight here? Well, when King, when King Charles, as he now is, grew up, he was very influenced by an explorer and a philosopher called Lorenz van der Post. And van der Post was a friend of Carl Gustav Jung and wrote some very important books. And it became fairly clear that Charles had his mind and his outlook formed by this disciple of Carl Jung. And we didn't know whether he'd grow up or not or grow out of it. Uh, I was a, I was a psychology lecturer in university and I also became very fond of Jung, but mainly because he offered an antidote to, to Sigmund Freud, whose ideas uh, were prevalent at the time. Uh, I had to, I had to fall out of Jung and back in love with Jesus. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, Charles hasn't done that. And we didn't know what we, we simply didn't know what his inner heart, minds and thoughts were until he became king. But his first act was to gather together major uh, leaders of the different faiths and, 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 and implement what he said he was always going to implement, which is to become a uh, de defender of faiths instead of the title which was uh, which had been taken by the Protestant Parliament, uh, copying the one that the Pope had given Henry VIII, a defender of the Protestant faith. So um, Charles's speech was really quite subtle, and it was very well done, and lots of people thought it was exactly what was called for. But the problem it was that it, it embraced relativity entirely. And the difficulty is that it just doesn't tell the truth. It doesn't tell the truth about the nature of the religions that you're trying to draw, draw into a relativistic relationship with each other. Um, we know that Islam does not see itself as in a relativistic relationship with Christianity. Christianity ought not to see itself in a relativistic relationship with Islam. There is no way of making Jesus and Muhammad compatible. The gospel and Sharia law are two very different things. Uh, and to pretend that they're not is to simply ask for trouble, because at some point, both religions, in the, but, but more likely Islam, will break cover and say, actually, we, we, we are, we're not simply part of the whole. We have far, far greater ambitions to uh, to make the whole of society Islamic. Now, Christianity ought to have does have the same ambitions to make our whole society Christian, but we've given up on them, and the Muslims haven't. Much to our great shame, it's made more difficult to have uh, the emblematic head of a large religious organization embrace this entirely false 
and unreliable relativism because it because it it gives comfort to 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 the laziness of Christians who aren't reading the Gospels clearly and are not saying their prayers very well and just deepening the hole into which we're sliding. Now I know uh, I I see clear differences between law in America in regards to the, our president and uh, law in England in regards to its king. But as King, could he not say a word in defense of this woman who was arrested for simply praying silently in front of an abortion mill? I mean, could he not, uh, because he is a Christian, because he is a man of, uh, of faith, supposedly, uh, why, why, what would stop him or prevent him from defending Christians in English society, even if law does not allow him to, to do, take some physical uh, you know, step or move or action to, uh, to defend them? Do, do you get the sense of what I'm saying? Oh, oh, completely. Um, one of the things we have to, to do in order to explain the constitutional position of the monarch is to say that the, the king is two people at once. So he's his, he's, he's his public persona, which is the king, and his public persona is entirely constrained by parliament. We had a civil war like you did, and, and the, the outcome of the civil war was that parliament controls the monarchy. So in that sense, he's a puppet king, a puppet to parliament. Everyone knows that and they live with it. It's, it, it's, it, it's full of pageant and, and history, but that's where the power lies. However, he has influence behind the scenes, an enormous amount of influence. And one of the things he's been telling us over the last 40 years is he's been using his influence for ecology in particular. And one of the very good things he's done is to help kids in the inner cities with employment prospects, where, again, he's used his influence and his money. So he could use his influence here, um, but there isn't any indication that he's doing so. And and I think that's where, that's where I feel the criticism. The problem is that, that if... If in the front, if you like, on, on the surface of things, he is simply endorsing a situation, the direction of which will be to destroy the church, destroy Christendom, destroy civil liberty and the privacy of conscience, but doing nothing underneath it, then then effectively he's aiding and betting the destruction of his own society. And one of the things that I was trying to do with that article was to wake people up and say, actually, we need a Christian king who behind the scenes will be Christian uh, and start exercising that kind of influence. But we, we particularly need someone to draw us together. It could have been the Archbishop of Canterbury, but it isn't. It could be the Cardinal Archbishop of Westminster, but it isn't. Uh, it could have been the king, but it isn't. So at the moment, there's, 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 there's nobody. Um, and uh, the great danger is that the forces that we face are so hostile, both to the human condition and above all to Christianity, they're spiritually and psychologically hostile, that without some form of defense or organization, the destruction of our Christian culture is going to happen much more quickly and much more much more effectively than it would do otherwise. Dr. Ajitin, you know, that made me think of the fact that, you know, we really need to return to Catholicism in England. And that's a huge deal. I think about the prophecy saying that um, England, uh, England will not return to the faith until England returns to Walsingham. And so, uh, you know, people are we're talking about syncretism, talking about all these things. The Anglican ordinary or the personal ordinary, the chair of St. Peter, we have that in Houston, Texas, where we're located, the uh, Walsingham here, their cathedral. Uh, what do you think about the personal ordinary? Full disclosure, I have a lot of friends who attend the ordinary, a lot of people, and I think it does a lot of good. But I have this kind of cold up where I'm like, if you're going to become Catholic, why don't you embrace Catholic England instead of Anglican England? Uh, so what say you, Dr. Agenden? Well, I think you're right. There are two ways of doing this. Um, and for a while, I was a, a seminarian in the, in the ordinariat here. Um, but I, I think, I think I see the ordinariat as, 
if you like, offering a particular kind of liturgical health course. Uh, what, what the Ordinariat offers to the, the wider Catholic Church is a is, is a restitution of some of the, the, the liturgical beauty that the Holy Spirit provided for uh, for the for the best parts of the Church of England. But you're right. It, it it it's not enough. It can't be a special club. What one of the things I've been saying, and people don't like me much for saying it, is that the the only hope for England is the Catholic Church, and not just the ordinary, but but the whole Catholic Church, because it is the only organisation with the philosophical muscle and integrity to confront the heresy of relativity that we have. And uh, and you know, if the Catholic Church stirred itself, if it became awake, if it found its courage, if it moved from being a a sort of sectarian subculture as it has been over the last 150 years but the fault the fault of that is lies with the english state but nonetheless whoever fault it is it has to come out from behind this sectarian subculture and in, and and claim england for its own as the church in england the church that, that spent a thousand years building the society upon which our civilization was constructed but it's it's been it's it's been subject to snobbishness and marginalization and uh, association with with non-english culture but that that needs to change now 10% of the catholic clergy in england at the moment are ex-anglicans there's been a great influx it's time for the catholic church to understand the great responsibility that god has given it to help save christendom and to act as 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 spiritual as well as, as it turns out it will also be political saviors to, to people who inhabit Christendom. Well, we are out of time, but uh, what a great conversation with Dr. Gavin Ashington. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your time today. You can read his articles, which I highly recommend, at catholicherald.co.uk, or you can hang out on his website and find a lot more information there, plus his podcast, ashington.org. God bless you, Dr. Ashington. Thank you again for your time. Thank you for having me on. God bless you, too. That is going to do it for hour number one. I'll give you the latest details on Pope Benedict XVI's funeral arrangements coming up at the top of the next hour. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, All comfort must be based on discomfort. What's that supposed to mean? It has something to do with the fact that we celebrate Christmas in December. It is the feast in the middle of winter. We are choosing to be joyful at the very moment when the whole material world around us is most sad. We are defying cold death outside by celebrating life inside. And that's why there's nothing more comfortable than a blazing fire in the middle of a blizzard and why we bring a green tree inside and decorate it and talk of good cheer in the face of darkness and death. Tidings of comfort and joy. Because all comfort is based on discomfort. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? 
God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Jessica Idolette from Prince of Peace. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Joe McLean, so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Happy New Year and good morning to you. I just, I'm curious. I got the uh, 2023 car raffle postcard in the mail. I don't know who designed this, but it's beautiful. I mean, it's just stunning to look at this artwork. It's chilly. Uh, the polar white. It's polar. Polar white, CLA 250. I think this is the not one of the. Hmm, is this the nicest? Is this the nicest car we have raffled to date? Is the question. The first year was a Studebaker. Hmm. But that was like a one off. It was donated. It was worth a lot of money. It's definitely the top two for uh, like Rudy's memory. But that was, uh, yeah, hmm. I joined in that year. And so I came in a little late for that one. Then then it became Mustangs and Camaros for a while. Then it was mm. a Cadillac, which I thought was super cool. I'm about to blaspheme. Oh, no. Look, mm-hmm. I don't like American muscle cars. What? Yeah. Okay. Uh, turn his mic off, please. I, I'm uh, not a fan of them. Uh, Rudy is to be canceled from here on out. European he is officially all the way. canceled. Just did it. Uh, the, the Camaro <laughs> is, the new Camaro is pretty legit, man. I mean, it's got legit mm. racetrack yeah. specs. Mm. What do you mean? Uh, if you want to go straight, uh, I mean, it, I suppose. No. You drag race it. Or, no, that's, no, that's the Dodge. That's the Hellcat that does that. <laughs> it only goes straight, and it only goes straight fast. But no, no, the Camaro and even the Mustang have track-focused versions that are pretty, pretty intense. Mm. Although, you know what we ought to? Uh, I think maybe next year, the brand new... Uh, flat a plane crank Corvette that just released the 2023 version. <laughs> they did you hear that they took a Ferrari motor? I think it was a Ferrari four five four five eight, and they reverse engineered the motor and built one for themselves for the brand new Corvette. And it sounds like a Ferrari. Hmm. It is man, isn't that legal? One hundred and fifty thousand, one hundred thirty thousand dollars. I mean, good luck buying the Ferrari equivalent to that. I mean, a lot more money. So. We're just going to truck. I think you should believe in America, Rudy Carlos. What are you talking about? And stop going all snobby European on us. You're not going to even be able to put gasoline in it in five years. So (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. What's the point? I don't know. Uh, Who who was I listening to? Somebody was saying recently they're getting an attack mm -hmm. for dissing electric cars. And they were like, look, dude. I actually don't have any anything against electric cars. All I'm saying <laughs> is I hate being forced to give up my yeah. gas vehicles. Yeah. That's all it is. I, I don't know. I, the Hummer EV is pretty baller looking. Exactly. He's like, it's, I don't have a problem with EVs. Cool. I just don't want to be forced you know, to give up my gas cars. Do you have any idea what it costs to fill 
A Hummer EVs electric battery ninety two dollars like a hundred bucks that's still cheaper fill. than gas. <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of force, though, we're forcing I don't spend hundred bucks to fill my Tahoe. We're forcing you guys mm-hmm. to participate in the car raffle. No, we're not. Stop <laughs> it. But okay, going back to my original point before I got so distracted. <laughs> there. My bad. Uh, that's the kind of conversation we can expect in the after show, by the way. But uh, nonetheless, this year is a, is a 2023 Mercedes Benz CLA 250, and I have to say, it's got to be one of the nicest looking uh, cars we've ever given out. It looks fast. It looks it looks swift. I would and say comfortable. Swift, but luxurious like it's elegant mm. it's got elegant sweeping lines i like that it's a a very interesting color the polar white color Brr. so 25 dollars a ticket or you can get five for a hundred bucks so that's an extra one uh absolutely uh gratis and you can do so on our website grnonline.com uh but here's the kicker if you really want to be supportive what you do is you call your local grn station manager and you say listen all right, I'm going to need some tickets. But more importantly, how can I help you sell as many tickets as possible to support the GRN's radio postulate and, you know, sort of make sure that our market gets a little extra favor in the in the drawing. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not saying there's a competition. <laughs> tell them, them CDT sent you. There's a competition. Okay. You know, who's going to sell the Wait, there's, most? There's good news and bad news, Joe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The good news is we have all the money we need to run the GRN. Okay. The bad news is it's in their pockets. It's in, it's in their so pockets. So they got to give it to us. That's, the, that's the bad news. But this is a winner. You could not only support the GRN financially, but you could also maybe win a cool car in the process. And it is a lot of fun. Praise be to God. So uh, what a great way to support the GRN. Call your local station manager. You can get the contact information on the mobile app, by the way. Just uh, download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app in your iOS or Android app store. And uh, you can not only listen to your local GRN radio station, find programming information, podcast information. You can donate there, but you can also find the local contact information. Call your station manager and ask the difficult question of, how can I help you 10x this thing this year? Sell more car raffle tickets at my parish, my Bible study, my group, or or what have you. Uh, That would be a fantastic way to support the GRN. Or you can just go to the website, grnonline.com, for the details. Praise be to God. Uh, all right, so Benedict XVI was big news over the weekend, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have been asking what comes next, a topic that Adrian and I discussed last week. I actually put out a video on that very topic as well. But uh, here's an article out of the CNA to talk about what we can expect next. So we do know that his body was first laid uh, you know, in, in view. What is the proper terminology when you put a I don't know. It's not like in a wake. wake. He's it's not, not really wake. He's not in a coffin. He's still really like on a board. Like a, hmm. I think they, they just call it a viewing now. A viewing? It's Late, odd to me. There's got to be a state? technical name for this, right? In state? Like, a, yeah, I'm looking for the, what's the technical name? I don't know. Let us know. If let, you know, and if a, you're watching online, yeah. let us know. In situ? Uh, I have no idea. So he was first in, at the monastery there in uh, in the Vatican Garden where he was living and where he passed. By the way, um, noticed in the chapel there, it's at Orientum. Just putting that out there. Mm. Uh, but then he was moved. Yesterday, he was moved. Yesterday morning, he was moved to uh, St. Benedict. Or rather, St. Uh, ben- <laughs> yeah, it's too soon. Benedict was moved to St. Peter's Basilica, where he will remain. And already, I hear tens of thousands of people have already paid their respects. And they're going to continue to do so until Thursday. So here's a little bit of this article. Uh, from the CNA on what to expect. It says, after his death, the remains of Benedict XVI remained 
at the Mater Ecclesia Monastery, his place of residence since his resignation in 2013. The small monastery is located in the Vatican Gardens on a hill behind St. Peter's Basilica. On January the 1st, 2023, the Holy See released the first images of the body of Pope Emeritus with a rosary in his hand and lying at the foot of the altar in the monastery's chapel. The chapel is the same place where, in addition to celebrating Mass, it received public visits from Pope Francis and the new cardinals every time there was a consistory in the Vatican, since it continues to be Christmas liturgically, this chapel still has a small Christmas tree and a manger. Yeah, the cardinals always visited him. Very interesting. Again, I think that led to some of the confusion that uh, has arisen among the faithful. Article goes on to say, next to the remains of Benedict XVI, some kneelers were placed for prayer. A few hours later, dozens of people, including cardinals, bishops, priests, Vatican workers, nuns from different congregations, and even journalists who cover the activities of the Holy See, were able to enter the monastery to keep vigil and pray with the remains of Pope, with the Pope before they were transferred to St. Peter. At 7 a.m., January the 2nd, the body of Pope Emeritus was transferred from the Mater Ecclesia Monastery to St. Peter's Basilica to begin the wake and allow thousands of pilgrims to say their last goodbyes. The archpriest of the Basilica received the remains of Benedict XVI with a liturgical act that lasted about 30 minutes. He incensed his body and uh, used uh, the uh, holy water as well upon the body of Benedict XVI. Among the attendees were Bishop Georg Gonsfein, who was his personal secretary since 2003, the master of liturgical celebrations, Bishop Diego Rovelli as well. From 9 a.m. to 7, uh, the faithful from all over the world were allowed to enter St. Peter's Basilica to visit the body of Benedict XVI. It is estimated that at least 65,000 people came to visit the Pope Emeritus on the first day of his wake. The remains of Benedict XVI will remain on display in St. Peter's Basilica until Wednesday to January the 4th, Visiting hours for Tuesday and Wednesday are from 7 to 7. The funeral of Benedict XVI, Pope Francis will preside over the funeral of Benedict XVI on Thursday, January the 5th, 9.30 a.m. Rome time in St. Peter's Square. That's about 3.30 in the morning on the East Coast. That's 2.30 in the morning uh, Central Standard Time. Two official state delegations, uh, those of Italy and Germany, will attend the funeral of Pope Emeritus. Only two. I find that fascinating. Only two countries are sending official uh, groups to attend the funeral. You'd have thought that had been more. And he was a pretty monumental historical figure in our recent times. You'd have thought that had been more. The president of Italy was one of the first to visit the funeral chapel of Pope Benedict XVI. Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney, accompanied by other officials from her government, also attended the morning of, on Monday and prayed for several minutes before the remains of Pope Emeritus. Many other heads of state will come to pay respects and attend the funeral in an unofficial capacity, including the president of Hungary, the president of Poland, uh, uh, King Philip of Belgium, the Queen Sophia of Spain, among others. The funeral of Benedict will be held at 9.30 a.m. Thursday, January the 5th. You can always watch it live. It'll be streamed over EWTN for sure. So... That's what we can expect now. There was some, there was some, uh, not controversy, but some conflict. Some, it was reported by Bree Dale. I think it was, uh, was that Saturday morning, Sunday morning? Maybe it was Sunday morning. It was, or no, Saturday. I think Bree Dale reported that the bells had not rung. They didn't ring the bells to announce his passing. 
Uh, and yet, uh, Colm Flynn on EWTN reported that they did, in fact, ring bells across Rome. So the question is, what was the difference? Breedell clarified later saying that, they, that there are particular bells that, were, that are to be rung just for the Pope, and those bells were not rung. But it was just church bells around the town that rang for him at some point. So there was some, there was some debate about what, in fact, to expect. There was also a report that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI did not want a rather extravagant uh, funeral like a pope. He wanted it to be much more simple. So everybody was wondering what exactly would happen. Well, now we know he will, in fact, receive his funeral. He is lying in state right now in, in uh, St. Peter's Basilica. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going to come and pay their last respects. And uh, so it will be sort of a more of a muted papal funeral, so to speak. And he's going to be buried in the crypt where JP2 was first buried uh, before he was elevated to the canon and then raised and then moved upstairs into the, the basilica floor. So when you're down in the crypt and you are standing and you're looking down the hall, the glass, through the glass doors and looking down the hall at where St. Peter's uh, sarcophagus is, where his bones are kept, or at least a portion of them anyway. If you look to your right... You know, you look to your left, there's a chapel. Look to your right, there's, a, there's the place where Benedict XVI will, will stay. So, very interesting story. We can, we'll, we'll probably expect to hear more and see more in the coming days. But let me just ask you two guys, while we have a few minutes before we play Fear and Trembling, what do you think his lasting legacy will be? If you had to pick one, what would Lasting be? legacy? Well, <clears throat> I can speak personally. Uh, his... Uh, his uh, motu proprio, not try, uh, try to say this, Samorum Pontificum, uh, really deepened my understanding of, of Catholicism, and it brought me into a deeper love of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. So for me, his legacy will always be that. Uh, it'll, it'll be that, uh, that uh, you know, um, that and also his uh, speaking about relativism. Relativism at the time, 2012, was when I was coming back into the church, I was thinking about this. There's all kinds of different things that that are stealing our attention from Christ, and so mm. you know he's uh, he's got he's got a, a a big part of my heart there. And uh, sorry to see him go, but you know it'll come. It's sure to come, right? I yeah, mean, comes I for think, us all. I think that uh, his Samorum Pontificum should have been his legacy, but I don't think it will be because of Traditionis Custodis and mm. everything that's happened afterwards. That'll be forgotten. It'll be in the trash bin of history. I think his legacy will be his uh, resignation. I think that's yeah. what he'll be known for. Everything agreed. else will be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I was surprised to learn that he wrote a personal note to the FSSP after Traditionis Custodis came out to encourage them because he knew how difficult this would be for yeah. traditional Catholics in particular. And uh, for, you know, I wonder, I'm curious if he wrote a similar note to Institute of Christ the King or uh, the Good Shepherd. I'd be interested to know that. If anybody knows, please let us know. But either way, we pray for the repose of Benedict XVI. All right, it's uh, time to play Fear and Trembling. If you would like to a chance to win prizes, Rudy's back, so we're back to normal now. <laughs> now that I've proven that I'm trustworthy, <laughs> I had to defend myself. Huh. Uh, we'll go back to normal. Call right now, 877-757-9424. Will you be our first guest of 2023? I wonder. You can call right now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back.
Merry Christmas from the Guadalupe Radio Network in Houston. I'm General Manager Tim Mott, and there is one very important thing that I'm going to shout from the rooftops, from the radio, and from your GRN phone app from now until I can't shout anymore. The incarnation changes everything. Deus fit homo ut homo fieret Deus. God became man so that man might become God. Go look it up. That's what we celebrate on Christmas, and thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it's become a bad habit in our society to celebrate Christmas before it comes. We've forgotten the glory of anticipation. The presents should not be opened until Christmas. That, of course, is part of the excitement. And while we know the gifts are coming, Chesterton reminds us that the best kind of gift is the surprise gift. And if we have the right perspective, we should look at everything as a gift and every gift as a surprise gift. We are happy to wake up on Christmas morning and find gifts in our stockings, but the best gift we could ever find in our stockings is our own two legs. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Oh, come, let us adore him. Hi, this is Dave Palmer. Doesn't that perfectly describe our disposition during this Christmas season? We have the honor of being able to adore the Christ child at Christmas and adore him throughout the year in the Blessed Sacrament and receive him at Mass. And what a blessing also that we can tune in to the GRN anytime to keep our minds focused on our Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Church. Merry Christmas and a blessed new year to you and your family. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. But you have to call to be our contestant. First caller of the year. I wonder who it'll be. Could be you. Uh, phone lines are open. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call right now at 877 that phone number is 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game. Now, here's how it works, all right? But I'll try to do keep this, but just between the two of us. I don't want anybody to know what we really do here. But number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments and the questions where you might learn something you didn't know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course... We like to have a laugh, a good time, a chuckle, and our callers are amazing. They laugh with us. We enjoy that. And then we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, the kicker is we don't ask the caller the questions. When they call 877-757-9424, I will ask uh, Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? Do they trust Rudy? Do they trust Adrian? 
And then if they get that right, well, then they go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. But you have to call to be the contestant. 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Abbey Roast. Abbey Roast. What is Abbey Roast? Mm -hmm. Well, the Benedictine monks of Our Lady of Guadalupe Monastery in New Mexico offer 100% gourmet Arabica coffee, carefully Mm. roasted in very small batches to bring out the very unique qualities of each of the best coffees that they pick and deliver right to you. Nice. All the proceeds uh, that uh, that, that uh, they get from their website, abbeyroast.com, contribute to the expansion of their monastery Ooh. and uh, and to uh, receive those many vocations that are knocking on their doors. Yeah. The, the winner this week is going to win some of their coffee. Mm-hmm. Now you can let me know you want it ground or you want it whole bean, but you can enjoy it while watching CDT. Yeah, praise be to God. By the way, you you get you have some fulfillment to do. Yeah, uh, you have prizes to ship now that you're back from vacation. I, I just got a call. Totally they rested. Said, hey, where's my where's my prize? I said, I don't know. I'm been on vacation. Don't, wa- don't worry. You're gonna have some shipping to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. Last week's know. winner. Maybe the week before that. I mean, you, it's time to fulfill, bro. <laughs> Welcome back. Praise let's be to God. Let's go. Good All to be right. back. Well, let's uh, let's jump on the phones here. Hey, good morning to you, Frank. Good morning. How are you? Frank, I am alive, and that counts. How are you? Uh, likewise, I'm alive, so we're doing good. <laughs> See? But at a, what cost? It's a great start <laughs> to the day. Where are you calling from, Frank? I'm calling from Pleasanton, Texas. Wow, that's mm-hmm. Pleasanton. That's, uh, where is that? That's like uh, south of San Antonio? Yeah, 30 minutes south of San Antonio. Ooh, you're way down there. Is it pleasant? What is it like, uh, 182 degrees right now and humid? Or like uh, <laughs> south of San Antonio is like darn near the Earth, the e- equator there. But at, at any rate, what I say. <laughs> how was your Christmas so far? Praise be to Jesus. It's blessed. Yeah? What would you get that you really, really, really loved? Well, you know what? My kids went all out this year, and they got me a new acoustic guitar. So. Oh, wow. wow! Wow! That's big. That's big at my house. Praise be to God. What kind of guitar was it? What's the What's the make and model? It was a Takami. So it was a. Uh, it was one of the beginner levels, but it, it's it's better than what I had. Just say that. Pra- praise be to God. And how long have you been playing? Oh, probably thirty years. Really. Wow, what kind of music? Yes, Are we talking folk music here? What, what's your favorite? Uh, what do you well, like to play? Actually, actually, I started out playing uh, gospel music with one of my friends way back when I was a little old guy. So uh, <laughs> I, we play all we play all varieties, but yeah, nice. Uh, we we started playing out gospel music. Yeah, awesome. Well, Frank, uh, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, sounds like you got some great kids that love their dad. Praise be to Jesus. Are, are you familiar with this game? Do you know how this works? Absolutely. All right. We're going to start with Rudy first, as is our tradition, our custom. Oh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. I see the tie good is back morning. in fashion. It is, and I am wearing uh, <laughs> I'm wearing the uh, the uh, upper room tie here. The with upper the, room tie. The little tongues of fire Got here. Got it. Okay. So uh, now that I've uh, defended my honor uh, while you are away, clearly everybody knows I'm trustworthy. Oh, okay. Uh, well, then. You, oh, start, sure. you, you come back mm-hmm. with a tie on, so... We don't even know where to begin here, but uh, nonetheless, let's just start playing. Rudy, could you tell me, what is the spiritual superior of a community of nuns Mm. in a religious order? What do we call that? Yeah, we call that a Mother Soup Erier. And the reason they call her Mother Soup Erier is because out of all of the nuns, Uh she is the one who has the best soup recipe. 
So they pick her. I see. They gotta be. They gotta have the right nutrition for their bodies, but also for their soul. Uh So that's how they pick her. Mother soup soup for the soul. Exactly. I see where you're going with this. That's exactly right. Mother superior. Superior. Got it. All right, Adrian. Maybe you could help with this. Uh, Could you tell me what is the spiritual superior of a community of nuns in a religious order called? Mm, Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. going up against Mother Superior (laughs) is uh, is going to be difficult. It's challenging. It it really is. It really is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with an abbess, though. I'm just going to have to. Sounds too formal. Yeah. I know it kind of sounds ridiculous, Damn, but no. that, that's what I'm going with. Uh, Abbas, you said. Abbas. Mm-hmm. All right, Frank uh, in South Texas. Praise be to God. You have two choices here. Adrian is on the hook for Abbas, and uh, Rudy is on the hook for Mother Superior. Why are you laughing? Man, I, I don't know. Frank, what do you say? Rudy, 15 seconds. I'm going to have to go with Rudy on this one. <laughs> on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> Frank, Frank. Wait, hey, Adrian's got me so gun shy, man. I don't know. Oh, what- <laughs> oh, man. oh no, it's my fault. I see how it is. Woo, uh, Frank. Unfortunately, Mother Superior was uh, not correct. Abbas is the right answer. That is but, uh, Hey, we learned something. Now, but don't worry, Frank. We, we did. I, I got you covered. You're getting in this cut one way or the other. Uh, we're gonna go. Right. To, we're gonna go to <laughs> Doctor Fonseca, as some would say on Twitter. Anyway, um, Adrian, I know that you have an expertise in wildlife, oh. specifically on the birdologies. Oh, uh, could you help me? Help me. The red worn by cardinals uh-huh. is called what? Right. So birds, they wear things. Uh, I don't know. You're the doctorate uh-huh. and expert in that subject. Uh-huh. You tell me. So no, um, assuming we're not talking about birds, I because see. birds don't wear, wear anything. Are you sure? Um, they are mostly naked. I read um, it on your Twitter feed. Sorry, not accurate. Uh, the red worn by cardinals mm-hmm. of the church, okay, is called sacred purple. Awkward because they don't call it red. Kind of like you know like, rose. They don't call it pink. It's rose. Uh-huh. The red worn by cardinals is called sacred purple. Okay, sacred purple, you say. That's what I'm saying. All right, Rudy, could you help me out here? The red worn by cardinals is what? By the way, that sounds like a hippie uh, band, Sacred Purple. But actually, <laughs> it's uh, it's mauve. Mauve is the color. Mauve. Yeah, mauve. Mauve. Yeah. You have to oh. say it like that, too. Mauve. 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 Is that, like, is that French? <laughs> uh, I think so. Uh, probably. Yeah. All right, Frank, you got options. The red worn by Cardinals. Uh, Rudy seems to think it's called mauve, whereas Adrian says it's called the sacred purple. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Frank, what say you, good sir? Hey, you guys got me stumped this morning. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with my first choice again. I'm sticking with Rudy. I can't. No, don't say Adrian. (laughs) Say Adrian. (laughs) Adrian, I meant oh, I heard it. 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 I heard it
Totally, hundred percent. We don't admit Adrian is correct. However, I uh, just, I, I just heard Joe say ten, go with Adrian. I, no, I, I heard him say I never that. Never said that. I, I, I think Roll I heard that. Roll the tape back. You'll see my lips never mm-hmm. move. I didn't hear nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. But you are correct, Frank. Uh, sacred purple is the correct answer. Which All is, right. Why would yeah. it be called purple and not red? I don't know. It's probably something to do with like red not being a available dye or something. I have no idea. <laughs> Come on. I have no. I have no clue. Or maybe maybe. This is a topic for the after show, but uh, there's like a theory about colors and how red didn't actually exist in the sense of like oh, the way people perceive colors. I've heard of this. Yeah, what? but anyway, it's a long, it's a long That's... thing. We we'll talk about it in the after show. God, would have made it worse if we'd uh, come up with that. All right, so we're gonna go over the third question here. Back to Rudy. Rudy, what is another name for the silicium? Silicium. How do you say that? Silicium. 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 You're talking the... about the crown of thorns. Oh. Every bishop has to wear it at least one time. It's part of their initiation hazing ceremony. Is that right? Like a fraternity almost? Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Uh, It's not done in public. But it's a cilium. Cilium. Cilicium? Cilicium. It's a crown of thorns. Thank you, Jim. (laughs) We're experts at this, by the way. Excellent. (laughs) Okay. Adrian, what say you? Uh, What is another name for a cilicium? Yes. Depending on ecclesiastical or... The uh, classical Latin, it's mm-hmm. Cilicium or Celicium. Oh. I like Cilicium better. It sounds better. Okay. But that would be a hair shirt. A hair shirt. A hair shirt. Um, huh. Interesting. I'm seeing a root word there in this Latin phrase you have here. All right, Frank, you got options. And only easy questions today, apparently. But uh, what is another <laughs> name for a Cilicium? Is it a hair shirt, as Adrian has told us? Or is it the crown of thorns? Required by all bishops, as Rudy wants us to believe. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Frank, bring her in for a landing. What say you? Well, since I'm not starting the uh, Sacred Purple band, I'm going to go with Adrian. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, Frank. Well played. Winning down. Go with Adrian is what I would say. Frank, you did great. There was a lot of curveball action there, but... There was. A lot of fun. And you learned a few things. And you could win prizes. It's possible. Tune in Friday to find out. But Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Don't go anywhere, Frank. We're going to put you on hold. We'll see you guys in the after show. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. For more information, visit OurLadyOfCorpusChristi.org or Salt.net. Today we celebrate the memorial of the most holy name of Jesus. This Mass is offered the intentions of our online viewers and those who are listening through Guadalupe Radio. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth 
and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bend, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. It was two days ago on the eighth day of Christmas that we heard in the Gospel reading, on the eighth day he was given the name Jesus that the angel had given. And so it is that for many centuries, sometime in the first part of January, there's often been a feast day for his holy name. For the past 20 years it has fallen on January 3rd, and so we have the option of celebrating this memorial of the most holy name of Jesus. Rather than let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who founded the salvation of the human race on the incarnation of your word, Give your peoples the mercy they implore, so that all may know there is no other name to be invoked but the name of your only begotten Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the first letter of St. John. If you consider that God is righteous, you also know that everyone who acts in righteousness is begotten by him. See what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God. Yet so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope based on him makes himself pure, as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin commits lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Anyone who remains in him, no one who remains in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or known him. The word of the Lord.
All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Break into song, sing praise. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Sing praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, sing joyfully before the King, the Lord. All the the ends of the the earth earth have have seen seen the saving power of God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. To those who accepted him, he gave power to become the children of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from the sky and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God, The Gospel of the Lord. Today we celebrate the memorial of the most holy name of Jesus. And as we will recall just a couple days ago, this name had been told to the Virgin Mary and to Saint Joseph by the angel Gabriel to be given to our Lord. This name of Jesus, this name Yeshua, coming from the same root as Joshua, that great leader of the Israelites, a common name of his time, but one that was utterly appropriate for our Lord to have. Because what it means, for it means the Lord saves, or the Lord is salvation, or we might say Savior. This is who our Lord Jesus is. He is our Savior. He has come to save us. As we heard in that entrance, Antiphon, St. Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend 
of those on earth and in heaven and under the earth, and every tongue proclaim to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. We recall that he, St. Paul, in a different letter, also recalled from the Old Testament, all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We recall St. Peter speaking to the Sanhedrin in the book of Acts, saying, there is no other name under heaven given to the human race by which we shall be saved. The name of our Lord Jesus. We know that St. Bernard was among the many saints who promoted a devotion to the holy name of Jesus. That we should call upon our Lord Jesus in our need. And St. Bernardine of Siena was among those who promoted the use of the name of Jesus, especially promoting this already existing symbol, which you and I have seen many times, the symbol that to our American eyes we look at it and we think we see IHS. Now, many people over time have sometimes thought these were meant as initials for three different words, and different people come up with three-word phrases they thought it stood for. But in fact, it's simply three letters, a contraction of the name of Jesus from Greek, the first two and the last, as if we in English would write J-E-S. We see that. It's like a symbol. It's like a flag calling us to this one that we follow. In our gospel reading, we heard at that moment early on when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And of course, we know the priest repeats this at every Mass. What does this mean? Our Lord Jesus, that holy name, that he is the Lamb of God. Many will say, well, lambs, they are sweet and gentle. Our Lord is sweet and gentle. Well, it's true. But it means much more than that. Others might say, well, lambs were used in sacrifice in the Old Testament. Yes. And so we go still further. One particular kind of sacrifice especially stands out, the Passover lamb. We recall the time of Passover back somewhere around 1400 BC. The people of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt for many years. And the Lord was working through Moses, carrying out the plagues to seek to change Pharaoh's mind to let the people go. And when the Lord was preparing the tenth of the plagues, the final one, through Moses he instructed the people that each of the families was to take a lamb, sacrifice that lamb, put his blood upon the doorposts of their house so they would be kept safe during the tenth plague. And they were to roast and eat the lamb, this sacrificial lamb, for very soon, Pharaoh would let the people go, and they would go and they would be stuck in front of the Red Sea. But then the Lord would part the Red Sea when they would walk through it on dry land, leaving behind slavery, emerging into freedom on their way to the Promised Land. The Passover lamb was an important part of this saving, this rescuing. And so it was established the Passover meal by which each year, with another Passover lamb, they would remember and in a certain way participate in that first being set free every year, eating the Passover lamb. And it was by no accident that our Lord Jesus chose the time when the Passover was being celebrated to carry out his great saving work. For that original Passover, great as it was, was nothing but a shadow compared to his true Passover. For he was and is the true lamb of God, the true Passover lamb. And he would give his life. 
and he would enter not into the water of the Red Sea, but into death itself, but would not be stuck, but would emerge the other side in the resurrection. And all of this to save us from slavery, not merely to an earthly pharaoh, but to sin and death and the evil one, to set us free, to draw us too on that journey, on our way to the promised land, not an earthly promised land, but to the heavenly kingdom itself. And as he was doing this, he established the meal of the Eucharist, in which we would come and eat his body and have the blood, not of the Passover lamb upon the doorposts of our house, but the, the blood of the lamb of God upon our lips. Because our Lord Jesus is our Savior, and he is the lamb of God who has come to bring us true and glorious salvation. Behold the lamb of God, Behold him who takes away the sins of the world, our Lord Jesus, at whose name every knee shall bend. Brothers and sisters, let us call upon Christ, the Son of God, who by his birth has revealed to us the mercy of God the Father. And let us present to him the needs of all people. That the Son of God, who has become man in order to be the good shepherd of the church, may grant zeal to Pope Francis, our Bishop Michael, and all bishops, priests, and deacons in caring for the communities that have been entrusted to them. Let us pray to the Lord. That the King of heaven, who by his birth has united heaven and earth, may grant that those who seek the truth may discover the riches of his gospel and receive them with joy. Let us pray to the Lord. That Christ, who willed to take upon himself human weaknesses, may be the strength of the weak and the consolation of those who feel sad or alone. Let us pray to the Lord. That the Son of God, who came down into the world, so that all people might be able to go up into heaven, may admit our deceased relatives and friends into his glory. Let us pray to the Lord. O Lord, hear the prayer of your people and graciously attend to our petitions so that all who remember the birth of your Son and rejoice in the beginning of our salvation may be renewed in our dignity as your sons and daughters. Through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, 
fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Bringing you these offerings from what your bounty bestows on us, we pray, O Lord, that just as you have given to Christ, obedient even until death, the name that saves, so you may grant us protection by its power. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For through him, the holy exchange that restores our life has shone forth today in splendor. When our frailty is assumed by your word, not only does human mortality receive unending honor, but by this wondrous union we too are made eternal. And so in company with the choirs of angels, we praise you, and with joy we proclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Degus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take this all of you and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, 
which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. Save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Tegi, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Tegi, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Tegi, Qui tollis peccata mundi, 
Dona nobis pace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name through all the earth. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name through all the earth. Glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name through all the earth. Let us pray. May the sacrificial gifts Offer to your majesty, O Lord, to honor Christ's name, in which we have now received. Fill us, we pray, with your abundant grace. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, 
defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Deborah Haney from the Catholic School's office at the Archdiocese.